How's it going, Odd People? You're listening to the Odd People Podcast, and I am your host, Matt the Cat. Today is episode number five. I'm going to be talking with the very talented woodworker Julian Plant. I met up with him at his workshop up in Taunton, Massachusetts. We talked about his different learning experiences in the world of woodworking and some of his unique projects. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Julian. How's he, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Matt? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're here in Taunton. If you want to... Uh, Tell the listeners, uh, you know, what your speciality is. Sure. I am a uh, woodworker. I mostly make furniture and I guess we've been calling it home decor items. Um, so smaller, kind of smaller projects. Um, nothing too big yet, but uh, some bigger things might be coming in the future. Right, nice. So how long have you uh, been uh, woodworking? So um, I guess... I would say I started woodworking um, in 2008. I took a class in my last semester of college um, after finally having room in my schedule, um, waiting four years to take it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I made a a few cool pieces and then um, it kind of got put on hold for a few years. And then uh, after I got a house, I started doing a little bit of more of a construction type carpentry thing and got some yeah. some tools and went down that slippery slope and just uh, then decided that uh, I could make something better than I could buy it and uh, decided I'd like to like furnish my whole house and then kind of started down that road of trying to make um, all the furniture in my own house instead of buying something from Ikea or Walmart or wherever. Yeah, that's a good goal to have. Yeah. That's kind of the same with me where I used to remodel houses. So then I went from doing that to slowly getting into fixing things that were broken or being like, you know, we need a little side table, but can't find anything that's the right size. It's either too big, too tall. Then you just make shit (laughs) on your own. And that's one of the best things is that you can, when you make something yourself, you customize it to exactly what you need. It's going to be exactly the right height, the right dimensions, matches something else you have and is your own personal style of course so that's the best part and you get to come home to your creations yeah (laughs) things you've made uh what made you choose woodworking out of pretty much anything you could have done as a side gig um well actually it probably started um from being a little kid uh my dad dabbled with a little bit of woodworking in the basement and it was kind of similar house house projects and he never really had the time to to get into it too much but um i remember doing a few things down there with him and um we had a few tools in the basement and i'd always you know be going down and make, making some random toy or bike ramp or something you know yeah as a, as a teenager um i ended up kind of going into more of the electronics and uh, robotics kind of stuff um but i always played with legos well the erector sets and mm-hmm. kind of construction toys and blocks and uh, designing physical things, I guess, with my hands. Yeah. What do you do now for a job? I am an engineer, an engineer. computer engineer. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I tend to design things uh, very uh, 
systematically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've been trying to push myself to uh, look at design in more of an artistic uh, way. Because I think that's nice. something that uh, I need to improve on, I guess. Yeah, the creative uh, creativity aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Usually start off with, you know, solving a problem. Um, so I, it's easier for me to to actually design something when I have constraints of, okay, it needs to fit in this space or do a specific function. And then the design comes after that. And I've been trying to come up with uh, other other pieces that are maybe don't necessarily have a purpose other than to, to look cool or express some sort of idea. Hey, so who did you learn from when you were uh, in college and stuff? Um, so in college, uh, I had a class with uh, Tom Shields. He was an awesome teacher. He was um, at UMass Dartmouth working on um, his uh, master's, I believe, um, and it was woodworking and furniture design 101. Um, but he was a great teacher and um, really pushed the kind of the art side of it, which I hadn't um, really experienced because all the, well, all my classes up to then had been engineering classes. And this is the first time we I ever did like a – a peer kind of review um, with the rest of the class. And that, and that was interesting and, and very difficult for me to both critique someone's, someone's work without sounding like you're giving them a hard time about yeah. something you don't like. And then also receiving um, feedback um, from someone, especially if they just don't understand um, the way, you know, the direction that you were trying to uh, take that piece. Um, that was a, an awesome, awesome class. It was really fun to work with the like the big tools. Um, that was the first time I used a table saw, um, a big band saw, um, the big joiners, planers, and all that stuff. And um, I also learned. Um, I was also introduced to how to sharpen chisels and some hand tools. Uh, one of the first tools we used was the Japanese saw, the Dozuki, mm -hmm. and nice. I bought one um, at the time, and then. I still use them and they're great. It's really, uh, did you have to take a loan out? No, actually that was, um, one of the things I liked the most about it was it was very reasonable. It might've been $50 and the blade is replaceable. It oh, nice. can't really sharpen them, but yeah, um, yeah. the blade slides out of the handle and, um, nice. That's cool. Yeah. They're, uh, I, yeah, all the ones I've seen are pretty pricey. Yeah. So they're, they're some reasonable they're, ones. Yeah. There's some, they're, they're hard to come by the real Japanese ones. Yeah. So. Cool. So uh, what was your learning experience like uh, after college? Did you take so, any classes anywhere? Um, so kind of when I uh, kick-started again into it after uh, the college class, I did a lot of uh, self-learning with the books and magazines, uh, fine woodworking magazines, a really uh, great resource. And then, of course, YouTube was a big uh, role in uh, kind of getting me back into into woodworking and then I took a class with um, a local woodworker in Easton and he did um, private classes and then smaller um, classes with you know maybe up to four or five people in his uh, had a little yeah. garage shop yeah. so I took um, a one-on-one -on -one with him on setting up a hand plane so I had bought a, a bunch of different hand planes and um, I didn't know if I was doing it right or not so I um I spent, a, I think, I was one or two afternoons with him, and just went over um, setting uh, setting it up correctly and, and using it, and um, got a, some really good t 
tips and tricks from him on that. And then I took another class with him and I think there was four people total in that class. And we made a, a small uh, side table that uh, involved, it was a skill building project. So um, there's three legs in it, but each leg was built a different with a different method. So one all by hand, one with uh, mortiser, one with a combination of hand and power tools. Um, and then there's some tapers and uh, a curved top and um, planing to a finish, sanding to a finish uh, surface and um, and then finishing and, and painting and um, shellac or varnish or whatever. Yeah, cool. And then um, I did uh, more YouTube and more books. And then uh, two years ago, I took a class um, at the Connecticut Valley School of Woodworking. Um, but the instructor was Mike Pekovich, which uh, is a amazing woodworker um and he works for fine woodworking magazine writes a lot of articles um there and he just has a new book out um but uh the class was uh two weekends and then we had some homework in between to um to finish the project in time but uh we made this uh wall cabinet um out of quarter sawn white oak and that's kind of one of mike's uh styles is um it's a lot of like arts and crafts inspired uh quarter sawn white oak um, projects um, and it also um, involved kumiko which is this uh, Japanese um, pattern um, they actually first use it um, on like screens like Japanese screens yeah. uh, room dividers and like win windows and, and that kind of thing and it's um, a repeating pattern that's made up of all these little tiny pieces with um, specific angles cut on the ends and it's yeah it's almost just kind of friction fit together but it's um kind of a unique thing and it's become more popular now um, yeah i've seen it Does, yeah. so it doesn't get glued or i i glued um I, I guess i'd say lightly glued mine a little bit um just to make sure that the pieces wouldn't get loose uh during the seasonal changes yeah. with humidity yeah, yeah. Um, but um you can actually assemble it without glue if uh, everything is really tight yeah, that's pretty cool. How do you do you cut that with like a coping saw, like a fine saw, or how do you so um, Mike do you actually cut those little angles? <laughs> Mike actually came up with this system of um, little blocks with um, the correct angle cut into one end of it and a slot in the top. So you uh, prepare your stock stock first. You make a bunch of the little uh, slats that are just uh, you know a few feet long, and then you can draw out your design on paper and figure out the rough lengths of all the pieces. And they're all um, going to be the same size, roughly. Um, and then you would cut that stock down to the, the smaller pieces. And then um, using the little block, you put the piece in the slot and adjust a little stop. So just the end is sticking off. And you come in with a, a wide chisel or a, a block plane. And following the angled cut of the block, it'll you know, put the matching angle onto the piece and you do that four times on each piece. So you make like a little jig. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. So you first start out with the grid, um, a square grid with the um, mm -hmm. uh, boxes and then you're kind of filling in those boxes um, one at a time with the, however many pieces your design calls yeah, for. Yeah, I'm looking at the boxes right now. They're really cool. <laughs> They're across the room from me. In the <laughs> Thanks. Hanging on the wall. Is there any other technique you learned on that that you use in, uh, um, and you use the in your designs now. Um, so one one thing that I we did do in the class was up till then I had only 
cut dovetails by hand and in the class to um, save time we did i think we did one one corner by hand and then the other ones we used um mike's setup for using the table saw which was pretty cool where he has a specialty um table saw blade and the teeth are are all um, sharpened to a specific angle so if you tilt the saw blade to the angle of the the top of the tooth will remain uh parallel to the um, table saw table. So it's probably hard for the listeners to imagine. This yeah, no, I can, I can kind of follow it, but, but uh, <laughs> so you're, you're basically making a V, a V cut, but because you're, you have the, the uh, blade tilted, normally the top of the cut would, would, uh, would also have a little angled. angle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But by having the teeth file down on one side of the blade, it remains uh, straight across. Oh, all right. So you can actually get all the way up to the line and then, so um, when you when you do one cut, do you have to turn it completely around? You can't you can't just tilt the blade to the opposite, right? Because yeah, yeah, most table well, saws most only tilt in one, one way. Yeah, anyway, so you but... do all you do all the all the cuts facing one way, and then flip the board around and do the the other way, and then um, just chisel out the yep. There's a little triangle. That's pretty cool, exactly in the middle. That's the first time I've ever heard about that. Yeah, that you can do it awesome. without the. I, I'm I've tried to do dovetails by hand. And I've never had, I'm all self-taught and I've never had anybody show me and I screw them up every time. I think I've done like one decent one and then the rest of it's, <laughs> the rest of it's junk and I just wasted. Well, we can do the dovetails good. later if, if you want to listen. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but I think at that same school, um, Bob Van Dyke does a class and I think they cut dovetails 20 different ways or something wow. with, between hand tools yeah, and, yeah. and power tools. That's impressive. You can do it on the table saw, the band saw, uh, with all different sorts of jigs and that's i think it's 20 ways without using one of those like porter cable uh yeah. router jigs yeah i thought about getting one of those yeah don't but yeah. <laughs> yeah, i've never heard any real no, old worker i always post just, about them i always just see them at, at yard sales yeah unused. usually where they end up yeah just bust into it laughing <laughs> sure <laughs> um so there's some pieces that you made that uh i think we should talk about okay you have uh <clears throat> it's your first commission you told me your chess set yep sure so uh we don't have it in front of us because the customer no, has it right but. yeah i actually don't know where it is it could be it could be anywhere for all i know but uh yeah. so my first commission was a a chess set and uh i was contacted by i guess an, an acquaintance um through uh instagram actually one of my followers and um she wanted a, a chess set and it was open to kind of me letting me put my own spin on it and my design with the exception of uh, she wanted a white and a reddish tone of wood and then or a lighter and a reddish tone of wood and then she had a specific design for the the knight so the horse head and there was uh she had one picture of it from the internet of it was like a 3d rendering in an isometric uh view so not straight on or the side but kind of like at an angle and it was a kind of a weird angle of this very geometric uh, horse head so um being my first commission i and she had a she had a budget so i said like sure i can i can do that and uh i need you know i think it was like two, two months to get it done and then uh it was a it was a good good experience um going back and forth with showing her some sketches and uh put some different samples of finishes on the, the different pieces of wood that I had. And then we settled on 
um, two specific pieces of wood and that I milled down and I made a box, the board and the 32 individual pieces. Uh, the plank How long pieces. did that take you? So the whole thing took probably over 80 hours. Holy um, shit. I started, I did, I tried to record, you know, my hours um, because the, the, the deal was uh, she's going to pay me a, a price. Well, I was going to charge a certain rate an hour. Um, but if I went over the hours, that it would still remain a, as a max. Uh, the price yeah. is capped. I quickly hit that cap, <laughs> uh, probably just on the box and the board. Uh, so what was the reddish wood that you used? So I ended up what using a – it was a, re, a reclaimed mahogany with a amber shellac on it, which made it um, – which made the red uh, tones come out a little bit. <laughs> we cut this out. max? Yeah. We could max the cat with us. Yep. <laughs> Scratching himself. Yeah. And then uh, the li- the lighter wood was uh, a spalty figured maple. Um, it came out really, really, really nice. Um, the board and the box were um, the easier parts by far. I was concerned about the board um, warping and stuff with the seasonal movement. Yeah. Um, I didn't experience any of that when I had it. It's, I don't know how it's how it's fared over two years. She hasn't complained, contacted me to complain about it. So yeah. I think it's okay. Um, uh, I thought it came out really, really good. Um, and then the pieces, uh, that was a whole other adventure. With um, I had a uh, small spindle lathe, and it's really for turning well, spindles and long, skinny things. And yeah, I, I pushed the <laughs> pushed the uh, capabilities of that thing pretty far trying to make um 16 pawns that all matched exactly the same and getting uh you know all the all the other pieces are similar bases but uh, you know a different top part and so how to did, how did you do the up. top part did you carve it or did you were you able to use the uh so for lady? all the pieces except for the the knights i was able to basically uh turn Turn the entire piece. I would turn the base part because that was a similar profile on all of them. Um, scaled a little bit depending on the diameter. And then um, I would turn most of the rest of it. And then a few of them had details uh, that I'd carve in. Um, like the the rooks, I, uh, I think I used a handsaw to make the castle mm-hmm. parapets on the top. And then the bishops uh, just cut a, a diagonal slot in it. And I think it was... Oh, the kings and the queens, yeah, because I had to hand carve the the top, the little top uh, decorative element. What kind of wood was that made out of? That was the same, the same, uh, the same uh, yeah, mahogany, maple, mahogany, maple. yeah. Nice. Did you have any issues like tearing and splitting of the wood? Like, yes, I did. I think I, I, I had intended to make two sets um, <laughs> originally because I said if I was going to go through all the work, that I might as well. You know, a lot of the time is in the setup of the machines and, and jigs and figuring out how to do it. So I might as well make enough for two, and that quickly didn't pan out. Yeah, uh, but I did. I cut more wood, about twenty percent more, I think overall for both the squares of the chessboard itself and then the pieces. And I didn't end up having to make any. I made two extra pawns, and the first two nights I tried to make. Um, she said it wasn't close enough to the drawing she gave me. <laughs> so I had to do that again. 
But was that based off of like a family heirloom or something? Why, no, why it was, was so a, specific. It was just like a rendering from like Google image search of yeah, a 3D night. And it was kind of geometric. <laughs> um, and it was this isometric view. And I found it very difficult to translate that angled view. Yeah. I tried drawing <clears throat> it, you know, sketching it to like a, a, a forward and back and side view to uh, to get the carving, you know, because I could, then I could lay out the lines and just um, bandsaw that shape out and then yeah, turn it and you know repeat. Um, but that was that was probably the challenge. The most challenging part was definitely the pieces. I had a few that had a little bit of tear out. I think I glued a couple splintered chunks back in. <laughs> and yeah, was able to <laughs> sand sand and uh, and hide it okay, uh, and then. It was just a lot of back and forth, putting, uh, carving, and then sand, uh, not car- turning, and then putting them back on to sand them down, yeah. and then finish, and then sanding the finish, applying more finish, sanding, yeah, 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 back and forth, yeah. the finish, the finish uh, dance. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Going back dance. and forth constantly. Yeah. So we're in your living room, and uh, we're sitting at this very nice coffee table which I have a hard time calling it a coffee table because it's more of a work of art. But um, A factory cart? Yes, it's a factory cart, but it's the nicest factory cart in, ex- in existence. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to talk about this at all and how your process was making this, because this is, this is a pretty big piece. Yeah, um, sure. So this, yeah, this was probably one of my bigger pieces than um, component-wise too, lots of, pieces of wood and metal actually i guess this is probably one of one of my fewer pieces with with metal as well but um so this was started out as uh me browsing the restoration hardware website and seeing this uh factory cart coffee table which um if you aren't familiar with restoration hardware they um find cool antiques or industrial items um and then recreate them so a lot of them will have a weathered look or a used and uh, worn patinaed appearance even though that they're uh, newly manufactured um, and this cart was i think based off of something someone found in a i think maybe like a french factory or something and it has this uh, scissor lift mechanism that raises up and down with a big hand wheel a big uh, crank wheel and it, then it sits on casters um, and the one in the catalog was uh very expensive and um i actually went to a store and saw it in person and and found it was pretty flimsy and um kind of cheaply made for for the price and what and what it should should have been but it's just more of a that was more of a showpiece than a a real functioning um cart um so i said well let me see what i can do to make it out of wood (laughs) (laughs) and see if i can make it for a fraction of the price and it ended up being uh, more expensive than I thought than I thought it would be to make. By the time I factored in the uh, the lead screw and some of the metal uh, hardware, yeah, I found some antique screw. casters. <laughs> yeah, it's a one one and an eighth inch uh, diameter Acme screw. Yeah, it's pretty big through the middle of it, and that um, kind of uh, squeezes together the the two ends of the scissor mechanism, making the whole thing go up and down. So, what kind of wood is this made out of? So, this is actually leftovers from my workbench that I made. And this is a uh, vertical green Douglas fir. Um, so all the wood, the top and the, and all the mechanism are yeah. made from the same wood. What about the, the hand wheel? Uh, the, 
The hand wheel is cherry. All right, cool. Yep. And then um, that must have taken a while. The hand wheel. Yeah, yeah. It was actually kind of straightforward though. The way that I ended up uh, building it in sections, um, it wasn't that bad. But it, it did um, take quite a few steps. There was uh, making cutting the round parts out on the bandsaw, and then route using the router um, to carve out some of the middle and round. And then do the round overs with the spoke shave and um, hand plane and lots of sanding. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine there's a lot of sanding. Yeah. And I was Super a little nervous smooth. embedding uh, the Acme screw nut inside it and yeah. then finishing the rest of the, the part. But right. I, I decided I could always just cut, cut the wood away if I had to get the nut back out. So if you could it. choose any wood for this, was this, would you still choose this? Cause it, it looks uh, the top especially has a nice look to it. Yeah, I think I like as, uh, making it look like it's old. I like the Douglas fir, and and I think you know, Douglas fir was was used a lot more in the past, um, especially like arts and crafts houses um, had you know a lot of Douglas fir trim and built-ins. So I think it 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 looks good in a in a home, like in a living room. It has a lot of warm warmth yeah. to it. Um, honestly, I I used it because it's kind of what I had on hand and yeah, at least for out. the base, yeah. it worked out really good. <laughs> it did. Yeah. For the base, um, there's a lot, there's just a lot of lumber. It's a lot of, um, thick, um, dimensional kind of looking lumber. And I could have made it out of two by fours. Um, that's probably what I, what I would have done if I didn't have all of this on hand already. Um, just because there's, there's so much of it. Um, you could totally make it out of, you know, some nicer kiln dried um, number one and two two yeah. by material from Home Depot or whatever oh, it's. I don't know about Home Depot. But. Yeah, <laughs> your your local lumber yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's all one by fours <clears throat> and uh, two by fours and some two by six. I think. Uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. We'll have to put some kind of link or something. Yeah, yeah. I have pictures so of it and uh, because it's it's pretty incredible. There is a video on my website of it going up and down too. Nice. Um, how do you choose wood for your projects? Is, is it, and where does it come from? Um, so my wood comes from a few different places. Uh, well, I started off, you know, like everyone else seems like going to the big box store for, for lumber. And I quickly found that the selection and prices there aren't, aren't the best. Um, so then I gone to, um, some smaller lumber yards, uh, locally. And then, um, I found a sawmill, few towns away um that does they they mostly do uh, pine but um so I, I go there for all my pine now and and i found another uh more specialty lumber yard up in pembroke and that's a very unique place um mass hardwoods and slabs um and i like going there a lot because it's local stuff um you know that it, it's from the area it's not been shipped on a container ship from China or, or some, somewhere. Um, and it, he has a lot of unique, um, things, a lot of nice figure and spalted, um, lumber and very, uh, just unique, um, one of a kind, kind of wood. Um, so I, I do buy a lot of stuff there. And then I've also started to mill my own lumber from trees that have come down in my own yard or my, uh, friends and, and family's yards. Um, just, that's a, a longer process to actually yeah. turn that <laughs> turn that tree in, into usable wood just because it has to dry for so long. Um, but I've started to use um, 
some of the first stuff that I've milled up, which is pretty exciting to see it. Um, all the all the effort that I put into it, and then all the time waiting to see what it's actually going to look like. Um, it's pretty cool. Nice. So the other thing we're in the room with is the rocket lamp. Yes, the infamous rocket the rocket infamous lamp. Rocket lamp, <laughs> which is the coolest thing made out of wood I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Thank you. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, so, of course, again, we're going to have to find find a way to link this to your website or your Instagram, and you can, people can take a look at the rocket lamp. But the big question I have on the rocket lamp is where you come up, where you came up with that design and was it like <clears throat> when you designed it were you was it more like an intuitive thing more of a creative thing or were you really formal uh and like used a computer program and like really planned it out ahead of time or were you just kind of kind of planned it and then tr was it a lot of trial and error with something like that um so so the rocket lamp was um came out i had this idea of just trying to make something very unique and i i'm big into sci-fi and spaceships and that, that kind of stuff and um i always kind of liked that retro rocket shape you see it a lot in pop pop kind of art stuff and yeah. album covers and decorations um and i had seen i don't know i saw some some product probably think geek or something like that um online i was like oh that shape would make a really cool, like large scale piece. And if I made it out of wood, it could be this really cool feature in my living room or dining room. So the original idea was to make um, like a six foot tall rocket <laughs> that would have, that would have a sliding conical door and have like a bar inside it with Something liquor that the bottles. Could live in. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I wanted to have storage and kind of like a bar in the top and, you know, you'd open up little compartments and there'd be different glassware or um, yeah. bottle openers and um, maybe some, some storage for cups and things like that, napkins. And um, so I did a lot of sketching. I actually didn't do anything on the computer until recently um, for the, the, the whole shape I did a lot of just sketching kind of organic um, looking um, wing designs the the, ba the main body is, is really just it's a like a football shape um, so I, I played ar around a lot with uh, the proportions and, and seeing what what looks uh, I guess aerodynamic and what what shape would give that really you know okay this is a rocket it's a retro looking rocket ship yeah, shape this is definitely a rocket yeah, yes <laughs> not this is maybe yeah. a dildo <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely it definitely looks like a rocket though yes i don't you. want people to get confused it doesn't look anything like a dildo that i know of <laughs> this is coming from an expert i guess it, right? no <laughs> not an expert on dildos <laughs> Um, and then, so the wing, <laughs> the wing, the wing shapes, I did a lot of sketching and, and tried to come up with something maybe a little bit more organic and uh, free form. And as it, as it stands right now was not the intended shape. There was actually going to be another, uh, bent piece of wood on the outside of that kind of connecting the, the little fingers that stick out. Um, but it didn't, it didn't work out when I went to put it together, but I, it looks cool without that, that part. Um, so I made uh, one prototype of a smaller scale, just seeing if if the my kind of uh, overall idea would work, and it did. So then I made another 
um, this is actually smaller than the first prototype, um, and made this one into a, a side table lamp. And then um, just recently I've um, kind of replicated this into uh, another, another lamp, um, and that one I did use uh, the computer to design it and um, use a CNC to cut out the, the main parts of it. It's That's a little bit cool. smaller, um, tweaked a couple things, and I still learned a lot. Like the next version will have way more changes and be easier to uh, kind of manufacture, I guess. Nice. Small-scale manufacturing. Yeah. So I, I guess this is still <laughs> very much a, a, uh, a work in progress where um, I'm hoping to make it easier to to build and um, more efficient to make and faster and maybe be able to produce different sizes in, in um, one one main design but have different um, shaped legs or different um, yeah. nose cones. And, That's know, pretty cool. Yeah, thanks. What, um, what's in the inside of that? Is that copper? So that is um, the little LED lights on um, like a copper wire. They call them like fairy fairy lights. Oh, on, all right. Uh, on Amazon. What do you think, Max? Max the cat here with us, taking his doing his rounds. We're getting pat by all the humans in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool. What uh, what kind of wood is a uh, is that so oak? That is yep. Uh, Water or riffs on uh, white oak. Cool. Even that top? Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the top um, I turned when I saw that little lathe. And then um, the other components are three quarter inch um, boards. And that's um, makes a kind of a frame. And then there are eight uh, very thin, maybe around a sixteenth of an inch thick. Um, slat so it's thin enough that it can be bent into shape and just held so it's um kind of held around the the football shape um just with a single screw at each end so so did you steam it at all I to get it to no, bend or it's just thin enough it's just thin enough nice. that it, it's kind of held in tension so if you it's probably it's been a couple of years now so if you undo the screws it'll probably still keep a little bit of a curve yeah, but sure it's it would, yeah. just kind of being held in, in tension did you have any issues with the uh, oak splitting, making those small holes on the on the legs? I did. Um, yeah. I think I made probably like twenty of the thin flat slats <laughs> uh, first, and then I kind of cherry picked the best ones. Because um, planing it down, running them through the planer at that thickness is hard, and then even yeah. hand planing them with a stop is hard because the stop has to be so low. And then I think with this one, I ended up making them they were longer than than i needed and i would clamp one end down just with a regular f clamp to my bench and i would plane the far end of the piece and yeah. then flip it around clamp the other end and and also the same way of sanding it just because um hey, if it works yeah <laughs> so if, yeah if I, I have a bolt, i have a boatload of oak yeah. from my parents old floor I've seen that oak. yeah, you've yeah. Seen that. <laughs> everybody makes fun of that oak because i plane all the finish off of it yeah. before i use it but it's, it's, you know, it's old. It's very old and dry. So That's it splits. Great. It's straight as hell, yeah. most of it. But it, it splits in the, the worst, the most unopportune times it'll split. It does. Um, it's, uh, it's not, uh, sometimes not easy to work with when you're trying to do any kind of, any kind of detail work like that. No. The, um, I find the closer you can get it to quarter sawn and, um, with the with the grain getting the grain oriented straight into your board as possible that will save you a lot of headaches um and but then yeah the curves you just got to go slow on 
yeah. when you're uh, cutting it against the, you know, diagonally across the grain. Um, the nose cone turning that, um, it took, there was a lot of sanding versus turning because there was, um, that's glued up from a bunch of different pieces. So there's yeah. grain, already difficult grain, and it's going in, in different directions and um, cutting it at a very odd angle at some some of the points so there was a lot of a lot of sanding and building up the finish and then sanding and sanding and more finish what did you use for fasteners on that they look like little brass screws or? those are um they're actually blued steel screws um they're really old i have a little box from my grandfather's basement and uh no way. yeah that's cool I'm, luckily i still have probably like half the box left they're really nice uh, little slotted Blue, yeah, no, I couldn't blue, tell if it steel was screws. brass or, yeah. you know, what it was because it looked like it was either tarnished or just really dark. Yeah. I, That's cool. I want to I'm gonna have to check eBay and see if I can get a few more, <laughs> like, uh, screws like that, uh, different, yeah. some different sizes because they just kind of add a, add a nice little a, detail. A fun, uh, a fun eBay search. Grandpa's old screws. Yes. <laughs> see, we'll see what it comes up. You could probably find some big lots of <laughs> boxes full of screws and nails. You probably could. Yeah. So you uh, mentioned recreating that, and you also mentioned your uh, CNC. Mm -hmm. uh, what else have you done with the CNC? Um, so I've done some um, carvings. I've done uh, I've done actually quite a few commission pieces with the CNC already. It's <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I've probably made more with the CNC than I've made with all my other <laughs> woodworking <laughs> uh, combined. Definitely combined at this point. Uh, it's very easy to take um, a custom thing that someone has, usually a logo or, or um, lettering, and just put it onto a piece of wood. And uh, I did a couple of large um, cabinet doors with a big um, uh, club logo. And then yeah. I've made, I ended up carving over 200 coasters with the same logo and wow. cutting the coasters out. Um, and, that would have um, taken an incredible amount of time it, <laughs> if you didn't have it the would, CNC. It would be almost impossible to do. I would yeah. I would never have taken it on if I didn't have the CNC. And even with the CNC, it was a lot of work because just um, set, getting the boards, the boards have to be very flat, getting them locked in, clamped down correctly, and then just sitting there babysitting the machine, uh, making sure that it, it, the wood isn't splintering off and the bit doesn't snap. and. Yeah. Um, certain pro certain um things that a little cut you can kind of step away and do i can work on something else in the shop and then some cuts you have to literally just be sitting there watching it ready to hit the stop button um, but it's it's definitely uh, a help especially with producing the uh the repetitive type things yeah right that's that's pretty good yeah that's cool yeah <clears throat> so uh What's new in your world, in your uh, in your life? Um, let's see. Well, as far as projects, I got a. Uh, I'm gonna try to wrap up a couple things this weekend. I have a commission for a, a CNC sign. Uh, I'm gonna fill with epoxy, kind of a like a, uh, a dedication of a room to uh, someone for a, a clubhouse, and then I'm gonna try to finish up uh, another rocket lamp. And then I'm going to be starting to pack up my shop. All right. Why are you packing in your shop? Up? I'm moving to a, a new, bigger and better shop. Nice. It's above ground. That's awesome. <laughs> above ground. With above, a, above ground. Yeah. And a ceiling that I won't be hitting my head on. Cool. More room. So. so I plan on having you on again. 
and hopefully again and again and again. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> something awesome. we've talked about plenty. But um, hopefully we can do a shop tour next time of your workshop. Yeah. Your new workshop. Really cool. Maybe somebody else <laughs> in the room that we'll, uh, we'll have on and have a conversation with and do a little art studio tour as well. Yeah, we'd love to. So uh, if somebody wants to contact you, you know, for a commissioned piece or whatever, something they want you to build for them, uh, how do they do that? Um, you can send me an email, which is listed uh, on my website, uh, julianplant.com, or uh, you can go through uh, Instagram and uh, send me a message through there. What's your Instagram? Is it just julianplant? Yeah, julianplant. Julian Plant. Yep. With an E at the, end, e of at the plant. end of plant. Plant A. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was how we started this whole thing, is me sending you a message of how do you pronounce your last name. Yes. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure. I've known you for <laughs> a few years, and I'm like, I actually don't know how to say his last name. And then Mel was right, by the way. She said oh, plant. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, that E kind of throws things it, off. It does. So I want to thank you very much for helping me oh it's been a pleasure i really appreciate it very much and uh hopefully we can do this again and hopefully uh you'll be able to help me out with some other uh talks and stuff with other people sure that'd be really cool all right thanks man so how did you like that the conversation between a cat and a plant uh, I want to thank Julian very much for uh, being a great, very gracious host. Um, he's in the middle of a move, so it probably wasn't the best time for me to come by, but it was our uh, second whack at this, and uh, it worked out much better this time. Uh, you heard his lovely fiance Kay, in the background towards the end there. Uh, we had a lot of great conversation that wasn't being recorded, uh, which led to the discussion of future podcasts, which is really great and really hopeful. Uh, so if you want to check out any of Julian's amazing woodworking, uh, you can go to his website. It's julianplant.com. That's plant with an E. Or uh, check him out on Instagram. It's the uh, same thing, at julianplant. So that's uh, J-U-L-I-A-N-P-L-A-N-T. E is an E at the end. Um, so he was a uh, he's a great guy, and uh, hopefully you guys got something out of that. If you're into woodworking at all, I'm sure you did. Uh, so I'll see you guys on the flip side. Stay odd. <laughs>